Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Christchurch London, my name's Rachel. I'm delighted to be able to share with you in this way. Gutted not to be with you in person. My prayer is that you will feel strengthened in your inner being by the words that I have to bring and that you will just know head and heart and soul and psyche that you are deeply loved of the Father. Let's get stuck straight into the passage for today. So I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 to 12, and it's Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to a little church in Ephesus, and he writes this. So here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring them out in the open and make plain what God, who created all of this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus, like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust in him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. This is God's word and everything I'm about to bring is simply footnotes. It's been so exciting this week, hasn't it? Listening to the news and uh, hearing sort of stories about this vaccine, this COVID-19 vaccine that looks like it's on the horizon. And of course, we need to be like, just, you know, rein it in, rein it in. But I've loved all the language around discovery. We've discovered a a, um, vaccine. And it just like, it makes me go to like, to think about, there's a scientist somewhere and she's been, you know, just at home, brushing her teeth, getting a lab coat on. And she gets into the lab and and she like takes her friend was like, you'll never believe it, but sat on my desk at work is the vaccine. It's just turned up. Like this idea that suddenly out of nowhere we discover this vaccine. And we know that's not the truth. There's been huge amounts of diligent, faithful, incredible work, fight, passion, zeal, you know, sleepless nights. And we are so committed, aren't we, that, that the world is protected for us to be free from the pandemic. So let's make sure it's a vaccine for all people that gets to all people. Let's make sure that the poorest communities are first in line to receive it. But the idea of discovery, that comes from a Greek word that means basically the opposite of to cover up. So discovery means to uncover, to reveal, to make known, to expose. And and during this time, since March, the lockdowns, we've had a really interesting relationship culturally, haven't we, with this idea of exposure. Lots has been revealed, exposed to us about the way that we structure society, the way that we see each other and treat each other, which is just deeply broken and wrong and needs to change. But a month ago, um, a favourite actor of mine, Jamila Jamil, and she's an activist as well and speaks a lot on women's issues, she um, spoke out against what she calls the tabloid overexposure of women, this abusive cycle that uses adoration, overexposure and then eventual destruction to turn the public against famous women and to shame them into silence. 
And uh, she calls it the system of build her up publicly, over-congratulate her, over-expose her, and then discredit her with rumours, destroy her, and then move on to the next woman who dares to stand out. I wonder if some examples straight away come into your mind. But if you have access to any social media platforms, maybe you've already experienced how complicated a place this can be to choose the right kind of exposure for what we want to say and who we are. We're, we're all at risk of overexposure, either of being maltreated um, or cancelled if we speak up about something that we are really passionate about or we want to correct, or of paying a greater cost than we'd planned to because we wanted our few seconds in the limelight. And TikTok, I suppose, is a platform that helps us to perfect this art of overexposure. And a young person I was chatting to last week said that TikTok enables her to become what she called a scandalous version of herself, as she's always chasing that great prize of going viral. We're so prone, aren't we, to self-delusion when it comes to the way that often we're encouraged to express ourselves online. And we both crave and fear the kind of overexposure that would ultimately destroy us. I'm often shocked, as a woman in my 40s, still how prone I am to self-delusion. But the Apostle Paul, he is under no such illusion for himself or anybody else, as his passage reveals like he knows who he is. He knows how he's made. He sees his life, like the actions before him. He knows the depth within him of causing incredible harm and suffering on others. He knows the ego within him that needs to be destroyed. He knows the fear that needs to be vanquished by love. And it's all because of the greatest discovery that he's ever made. And it's this. That access to God is all he could ever want. That relationship with the one who spoke everything into being is what his being craves above all else. And even greater than that is that this is possible. It's possible for him to have bold, complete, free access to the being that spoke everything into the be into being and that makes complete sense of his life. And, and for Paul, it's his life mission to expose this great discovery. In verse eight that I read, he says this, and so here I am, read the subtext, probably in prison, suffering, definitely seen as an enemy of the Roman authorities. So here I am preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ and to make this known. Paul's writing in such a way that you, you get the impression that he sort of sees himself like that guy who's just inherited the multi-billion pad and he's got a film crew with him and like he's opening door after door and saying, look, check out the riches, check out my inheritance, look at this stuff, look at the size of these vehicles. And, and central to all these treasures given in Jesus is this free and confident access to God himself. And it's, it's an access to God that for Paul, it's like, this access to God is even more wonderful than all the treasures of earth put together. Spurgeon said this amazing thing. He said, when your thoughts are at their greatest, 
Jesus is a greater saviour than you thought him to be. Like when you're thinking the best that you think you can think about how amazing Jesus is, that's just the bedrock. That's just the baseline. That's just the beginnings of how great Jesus is. And in giving us Jesus, Paul is saying, it's like God is giving to us like a king gives to a king, like a president gives to a president, like a wealthy celebrity gives to a wealthy celebrity. Paul knows that on the inside, he is as wealthy as Bill Gates is on the outside. And what a great guy Bill Gates is. But we get to relish in the riches of God and we get to invite others to find that this riches, this is their inheritance too. It's a powerful, really visual passage. Let your imagination just trip out on it. And I guess I read this and what, what, is, what cuts me straight to the heart and I can't, I can't walk away from it is this, that if we who have this inheritance, who have access to God because of Jesus, if we don't give people Jesus, even if we're offering them everything else, it's like we're offering coppers with one hand and withholding the priceless diamond from them in our other hand. So Preston, March 2020, the beginning of lockdown. We had all moved to this city a few months before lockdown happened to be part of an HTB church plant into this fantastic city. And it's a city like many other places in the UK that is held in the grip of poverty and despair and unemployment and homelessness and addiction and violence. Students often call Preston de Preston. And so we had a staff team meeting the week before lockdown was happening and we were just saying, God, like, what is it you're going to be asking of us? We have everything because we have Christ, but we also feel really limited, uncertain, unsure, don't know what this is going to be. And the big question we kept asking ourselves was, what are we holding out to people in this moment of pain, suffering and crisis? What's the best that we can offer and there were many beautiful bests. I could tell you so many stories and you've got them too, no doubt, of just, just becoming a church where food came in and food came out and we were cooking meals for students that were hauled up in, in halls of residence and were either eating or paying their rent. And uh, we were sending out food packages and picking up uh, prescriptions for people, walking their dog, putting tents up on the Preston Minster grounds for homeless who are in self-isolation, all sorts of very essential, practical things. What are we holding out to people in this time of need? There was one particular afternoon, I was sat on the steps at the front of the Minster. It was a really sunny day. We had a lot of sunny days in lockdown in Preston. Ironically, it rains the rest of the time. God blessed us during the lockdown with good weather. And I was sat on the steps with a woman who was is one of our sex workers locally, very vulnerable woman, just love her, wearing very little. And I was very concerned for her, thinking you're out here on your own. And after I'd sort of been connecting with as many social services as I could connect with, it was just her and me sat on the steps and we got chatting. And she said she was hungry and I didn't really have much on me. The shops were shut. But in the Minster, we had just been given these amazing Easter eggs. So I went and got one of the bin bags and I brought it out and said, look, let's just find some Easter eggs. And her and I sat on the steps eating not just a Yorkie Easter egg, as great as a Yorkie Easter egg is, but like opening up like the 
best Easter eggs her and I've ever seen in our life. Like the ones that have like, they say it's edible, but it looks like jewelry, like the biggest bling Easter egg going. And the pair of us just laughing our heads off, stuffing our faces, feeling completely sick, eating the best Easter eggs. And I walked away from that moment, number one, feeling Jesus. I think I've just been hanging out with you for an afternoon and you are beautiful. Thank you for letting me meet you in the face of this incredible woman. But also I walked away thinking, what, what does it mean for us to share our best with our beautiful city? And so I just want to share three things that we as a church are, are learning, we're uncovering, we're being exposed to. And it's both reflections on what our city is teaching us but also what we are discovering in this time. And the first is, there's three of them. The first is the hunger, the second is the riches, and the third is the fight. So firstly, the hunger. Like we have seen firsthand, because we've got boots on the ground, what, what it looks like to be in a city that's hungry and, and what our city is hungry for. Food, companionship, good mental health, uh, jobs, secure finances, uh, freedom and safe relationships. But also we've been, as we've been stepping out and responding, God has been stirring within us a hunger for more from him. It's like this time is expecting more from us. And so God, we're expecting more from you and we're realizing that you have what we need. So we thought, we thought we'd already kind of really experienced God, all that you have for us. And in Christ, we have it all, but we're just at the beginning of this. Like we're just at the beginning of realising the peace that you want to give people through us, the joy, the power that you want to release people from cycles of pain and addiction and poverty and despair and violence. We're praying more boldly. We're sharing Jesus more boldly. And do you know what? We are much more hungry than we've ever been. I've known Jesus most of my adult life. I've never been this hungry for him. And it's a hunger that I relish. And it's a hunger that I ask Jesus to make stronger and deeper because I know only he can feed this hunger. I'm hungry to see Jesus do what only he can do in my life and in our city. The second is the riches, the riches. Uh, the day before lockdown happened, um, one of our team brought a tongue, like a, a heavenly language. And, and as a church team, we don't often lean much into that which is such a tragedy it's so beautiful isn't it to say holy spirit speak to us in your language in our language what do you want to say and they brought a tongue and somebody else in the team really felt that god gave them the interpretation and the interpretation went like this god says i think the storehouses of heaven are not limited the storehouses of heaven are not constrained and that same day we were given huge amounts of chocolate, the chocolate me and this woman were eating. That same day we began to kind of work in partnership with Preston City Council and other groups in the area. We began to set up this food bank that many other churches have done as well. But we also began to experience as we were going about this, just how badly God loves us, just how deeply God loves this city, that he would die for us. He would die for the people in this city because he so eagerly and desperately wants a deep relationship with us. Like this love of God is raw. It's raw, it's a love that scoops us up. 
It's a love that comes chasing after us when we feel that we have just seen too much of our own brokenness and unloveliness for God to love us. It's a love that will not let us down and will not let us go. And one of the passages that's just been ringing in my ears all during this time is where God and Ezekiel, I'm sorry, I think it's Ezekiel 34, God says to the religious leaders of the day who should have been caring for Israel and for the sheep, he says, from now on, I will go after them. I will scoop them up. I will gather them. I will be the shepherd that collects the sheep. And we have really experienced stepping out with the shepherd as he scoops up and reaches out and helps us to see the invisible in our community and helps us to know that when we deliver them a food package, we are in the presence of somebody that Jesus died for, that Jesus loves with an unquenchable love. We are discovering as a church a new way to be human, to be this multifaceted diamond, that when people look at the church, we're not monocultural, we're not one shape and size, we're not one size fits all. We are as diverse as this planet is, and this is the beauty of God's kingdom. We're to be an announcement of the new way that is possible. And the third one is the fight, the fight. Tom Wright in his commentary on Ephesians says this, Paul is suffering because he is pioneering a way of life that challenges the serenity of the rulers and the authorities. The fact that he is in prison is a sign that the Christian way is indeed posing a decisive threat to the rule of evil in the world. A few weeks ago, Jason and I were cleaning, scrubbing blood off the steps of Preston Minster. There'd been a really horrendous bottle attack and there were pools of blood all around the steps and down on the street. And lockdown was easing before the second lockdown came in and people were beginning to make their way back into the high street and they were stepping over these pools of blood and people were shouting at us, why are you, do why are you cleaning this up? Why are you bothering? Like, this is pointless. It's going to happen again. There's so much violence in this city. And as we're cleaning up, initially we're like, oh, it's fine, we don't mind. Then actually we began to get our vital and say, no, actually we don't want to be a city that's ruled by violence and pain and by suffering and despair. That's not what God is writing over humanity. That's not what God is writing over us at this time. And we've been really challenged as a church that we're very good at withholding in our, in our holding out Jesus to people. We want to offer them everything else. So why not Jesus? And, and what we've seen is I think in our church in Preston, our little tiny experience in one corner of God's beautiful world, is that as we have grown bolder in our declaring, speaking about Jesus, and as we've grown, grown bolder in responding to the practical needs of people in our community and got real about that, we've not heroically tried to do the wrong stuff, we've listened and we've wanted to respond and to invite people to be part of the response to our church has grown. Our church has grown and more people are coming to know Jesus because this little community of believers in Preston are getting hungry for God, are saying yes to the riches that we found in Christ, and we're prepared to fight. And the weapons that Paul talks about in other letters, it's not, 
It's not on the attack. It's not like, he doesn't say pick up your lance and your big gun and, and your weapons that you can fight from a distance. He talks about pick up your shield and your short dagger. These are like defensive modes. Like we are gonna stand in a place of pain. We're gonna stand in a city and on a street where violence rules. We're gonna stand in a community where they feel forgotten by what happens sometimes in central government. And we're gonna stand here and say, no, God is here. Hope is here, life is here, food is here, abundant salvation is here, abundant resources is here, freedom, a way out of these cycles is here. And we're gonna stand with you and we're gonna stand for you and we know that God stands right behind us. So I called this talk Exposing Grace. And my life needs grace. I need this scooping up, redeeming, holding, generous love of the Father revealed and made mine in Christ. Because God loves me, his prodigal daughter, in the same way that he loves Jesus, his firstborn son. And God loves you, his prodigal son, his prodigal daughter, in the same way that he loves Jesus, his firstborn son. And in this book of Ephesians, I encourage you to read around the passage that I read in chapter three, because off the back of this teaching, Paul moves seamlessly into prayer, the most extraordinary prayer for these Ephesians. And in fact, I think most of the letter to the Ephesians really is a big prayer. And isn't it beautiful how sometimes the greatest doctrine the greatest challenge and invitation to be this new humanity comes out of hearing somebody who knows Jesus pray, pray beautifully. I love, I'd sometimes would love a, a preacher just to stand and pray. I want to hear their doctrine. I want to hear their hope. I want to hear them talk to the Father through Jesus. And, and, and the prayer that Paul goes on to pray, he's, he's basically saying, I want to pray for grace for you because you need grace to understand grace. You need a gracious working of the Holy Spirit in your life. And Paul prays that the eyes of their hearts will be open, that they will see and understand this glorious inheritance that they have and that this would overflow out of them. That's our prayer too, isn't it? that daily we would wake up to an exposure of grace and that our lives would be an uncovering, an exposure of grace in the lives of others. Psalm 16 verse 8, the psalmist eons ago says this, I set the Lord always before me. Is that because the psalmist thinks they can grab hold of God and position God wherever they're looking? No, it's because the psalmist has discovered what Paul is praying, which is actually in front of us, before our eyes, is the manifest presence of God revealed in Jesus. And that we can dare to boldly say, Holy Spirit, will you open up my eyes that I will see grace. I will see the grace that floods my life. And that this will be an overflowing to the front line where you place me. I know that Christ Church London is a church that seeks to raise up culturally relevant, beautifully to the bone, battle-ready, storm-proof disciples of Jesus. And may this word today encourage you to your core that as you set your eyes on grace, as you set your eyes on God, the Spirit will daily wake you up to the beauty of Jesus in your life. 
and that your life will smell and look and zing with the grace of God. God bless you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.